Welcome to the Week 7 Fantasy Football Brothers podcast. My name is Blake, and I'm here with my younger brother, Carson, and we've got some games to preview. How are you doing today? I'm doing quite well. We do have a lot of buys to talk about this week, and with my own personal fantasy team, it's very apparent as we were recording this on Tuesday, so waivers have not happened yet, and uh, as of right now, I can't even fill my starting lineup. So there's some important teams on buys, so I guess we're ready to jump right into that. How are you doing today, though, first? I'm good. I'm hoping that uh, we're having some return customers here today listening in on our analysis as we get into week seven. Um, Let's just kind of jump in. Let's go position by position. So let's start with which quarterbacks are we going to be missing that are fantasy relevant this week? I mean, Josh Allen, obviously, from the Bills. So, I mean, as I have on the screen, it's Bills, Cowboys, Jaguars, Chargers, Vikings, Steelers. I'd say four out of the six are very fantasy relevant. That is, that being Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert, and I'd say Kirk Cousins is going to be relevant um, if people aren't deeming him as that already. Um, I don't think Lawrence or Roethlisberger are too relevant, but that's four very important quarterbacks that are probably people's number ones. So um, that's difficult to deal with, I would say. And are you feeling about the same? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it gets even worse when you get to running backs. Oh. Every every team, except for the Bills, really, uh, where you've got Ezekiel Elliott, James Robinson, Dalvin Cook, Najee Harris, and uh, I know the Austin guy. Eckler. Yes, yes. Um, that is... Are they all... Okay, well, they're not all top 10 because I know Cook's been injured, so he's out of that. But they're all top 10, they, close to it, I'll at least. Tell you, I'll tell you this. They were all drafted inside the top 10 at their position. Oh, for sure. I mean, maybe... I don't know. Is Robinson for sure top 10? I don't know about that well, one. Well, yeah. He's playing it like it, though. So... Yeah, that's true. But we're, we're talking about, like, you know, RB10. Either way... A lot of talented, a lot of talent is missing this week. For sure, on to wide receivers. Yeah, you got Stephon Diggs. Um, I mean, they Sanders Emmanuel and Beasley Sanders. are becoming relevant as well. I was just gonna go big names because I feel like you could name every single team. You got uh, Amari Cooper and uh, C.D. Lamb, and I know you didn't say tight ends, but Dalton Schultz is relevant too. And then you got. Uh, Marvin Jones had a big game last week, and Chenault had a decent game, and then Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, and then Justin Jefferson and Thielen, and Deontay Johnson, and Chase Claypool. Um, yeah, it's a ton of relevant people, and that's why my team is decimated this week. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm definitely feeling it, and I'm sure a lot of fantasy managers are. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Dawson Knox also for the Bills. He oh, yes. uh, broke a bone in his hand in that uh, two-point conversion. Did you see that he threw a pass to Josh Allen for a two-point play? Yes, I I didn't know that that was him that threw it, but I did see that that happened. And that was the play he broke his hand? Uh, I think it was was injured prior to that play, and Josh Allen was trying to, to, like, wave the play off, but uh, Dawson, well, they went ahead and did it, and they converted it. But, yeah, he, uh, he he went out after that play. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. That's crazy. Something else that I did not watch last night, but I saw a lot of highlights, and something I'd like to say is that that one Derrick Henry run didn't even look real. 
<laughs> it's uh it's it's alarming to see a big man like that running yeah, that fast. The biggest running back in the league and he looked like he was on two times speed and everyone else it's like it's like seeing old highlights of Wilt Chamberlain almost. Well, let's not get too uh, too far ahead. Almost. Of ourselves, but, uh... Almost. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, we we spent enough time talking about buys, players that aren't going to play this week. Let's move on to Thursday night's matchup with the Broncos and the Browns. Yeah, so with the Broncos and the Browns, uh, I did kind of go on a rant on Fant last week, but he kind of proved me wrong. Uh, leading the team in receptions and adding a touchdown for a big day. Uh, nine receptions for 97 yards and a touchdown. And like I said before, when there's a tight end that isn't even touchdown dependent. Like the touchdown was just like uh, the cherry on top of this week. If there's a tight end that is not dependent on, on touchdowns, you have to roster him in a tight end league. That's just my perspective. Yeah, because they're in PPR format. Yes. So catches are what we're going for out of our oh. pass catchers. I haven't even thought. I've, I've been so relieved that we've moved on from forcing starting tight ends that I haven't even thought about standard leagues that force them that is ridiculous oh my god that'd be so awful <laughs> yeah that be... that's uh if you don't have kelsey you're probably in trouble i mean honestly though in leagues like that i don't know if that changes the disparity too much because a lot of tight ends are touchdown dependent anyways but it just makes their floor even lower um yeah so yeah, yeah i can move on from that to Cortland sutton um i was a little nervous uh, starting him on my own team this week because I was hearing a lot of news about the matchup. I forget the name of the uh, Raiders corner, but it was supposed to be a really bad matchup for him. Yeah, it was supposed to be a really bad matchup for him, but he led the team in targets with a season high of 14. And he started the game slow, but he finished great. Um, so, so far this season, he's either scored single digits or in the 20s, and he's had back-to-back games in the 20s. Uh, so I'll ask you, Blake, do you think Sutton has become reliable or is he still a relatively boomer bust play? Gosh, it's tough to say. I mean, he's he's definitely a top, you know, twenty five wide receiver at least um, on the season. I believe that's correct. But either yeah. way, um, I don't know. I, I don't really have a lot of faith in the Broncos' offense. I know that Cortland Sutton is talented, and if anyone's going to do it on that team, especially with Jerry Judy out, it will be him. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's kind of. You know, you got to play the matchups a little bit with him, mm-hmm. uh, but you may not have better options. I, I mean, he's a good player, though. Yeah, I mean, 14 targets is just hard to pass up on, and like, I'll talk about Tim Patrick later. I don't think Judy's going to be hurt nearly as much as Patrick with, uh, or Sun's going to be hurt nearly as much as Patrick with Judy's return, but I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, they almost had identical stats on both the ground and through the air. Um, which again yeah, just like makes imagine, me imagine just you know taking off the jersey number on the back of the uniform, and it'd be like, who is this? I mean, yeah, effectively. I mean, I'm sure that's. I mean, that's that's probably nice for the Broncos because they have a rookie that's you know doing as well as a veteran, so that's good for their future. But as far as fantasy is concerned, it's really bad. Um, yeah, something that you want to avoid, I think, because you know, with how those players are being used it's kind of just you know they're they're limiting each other's ceilings yeah and then tim patrick as i mentioned a little bit before um three receptions for 42 yards and a touchdown so another touchdown did save his day he's usually he's averaging more than four receptions a game and that's his third receiving touchdown this year um but i just don't feel good about him with judy's imminent return which 
uh, Vic Fangio, the head coach of the Broncos, said he's less than 50% right now, so he probably will not play this Thursday, but I feel like week eight, uh, it's pointing towards him returning then, and I just feel like Patrick's value at that point is kind of gone. Do you agree? Yeah, I would say, you know, uh, the extra days coming from a Thursday night game to, I believe they'll play Sunday. I don't think they play primetime next week yeah. um, or week eight. But anyway, uh, Tim Patrick, yeah, I think, you know, he'll kind of fall back into his uh, traditional role when all of the pass catchers are healthy, which is kind of like their fourth option probably yeah. after Fant. Yeah, yeah, he's he's been... As far as targets this season, he has been behind Sutton and Fant. Um, and then now Judy's going to be above him, too, when he comes back. I, I remember Patrick being kind of like a waiver pickup last year, too, just because of his touchdown ups- upside. So I don't think that's really going to go away, but he's going to be like solely relying on them in the future, and I just don't think that's that great. Um, so I feel like Manager should have picked him up uh, already if they hadn't, but his value is... Uh, probably only for the short term and by that i mean maybe only this game um yeah i'm I'm just thinking also maybe you know if if judy gets held out this game and tim patrick has another pretty good performance you know maybe you try to sell high before people realize what's going on yeah before they realize that judy's coming back yeah that's probably not a bad idea (laughs) because honestly just getting just getting a flex wide receiver right out of him would be a win (laughs) um so i can move on to the browns real quick and with news as of today that really wasn't uh, highlighted on because almost all these players that i've written down are dealing with injuries kareem hunt is officially out and is is it four to six weeks that they're thinking he's on ir now right yeah he's been placed on ir and the timeline that i have seen uh floating around is four to six weeks okay and then Nick Chubb, oh, a tough loss. Nick Chubb has tough already been ruled team. out. Yeah, for sure. Since you had Hunt, and he, <laughs> this should have been an amazing day for him. He was projected to higher than twenty, and then unfortunately, uh, injury took him out. And he did decent with the time he had, I guess. But yeah, the injury definitely uh, got rid of the performance he could have had. Yeah, that and Arizona is just like a legitimately good football team. Oh yeah, they were they were in complete control of that game. It seemed so. Yeah. That was yeah. We'll talk about them more later. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Nick Chubb has already been ruled out for Thursday as well, um, which is a little concerning for this backfield. And, I mean, so some waiver targets. Dearness Johnson will probably fill in for, like, the Chubb role. And then Demetric Felton, I think is his name, I guess will fill in for, like, more of the pass-catching back. Um, Those are two guys I'd like to get off waivers, but I definitely don't think Dearness Johnson would fall to me. Maybe I could get the other, but I don't know how too excited I am about getting Felton. But are no, you feeling? This is gonna, and this is this is going to be an especially difficult week if you're low on the uh, waiver priority because yeah. uh, so many players are out, so many fantasy relevant players are out, uh, especially at running back. So yeah, I think Dearness Johnson has a good chance to have the bulk of the carries, and because uh, Demetric only has two carries on the season. Yeah. Yeah, so, so he's really more of a pass-catching role. You can just hope like for a said. PPR floor, if anything. <laughs> and yeah, possibly. I don't remember. Is Odell dealing with uh, injury going injury designation going to Thursday? Yeah, I want to say that. Give me a moment. I think that he is kind of up in the air about whether he's going to play or not. Um, based on yeah. his injury designation. Yeah, as you figure that out, I will say that 
um, he did turn it around in this game. He led the team in targets with five catches, 79 yards. Um, and Hunt's absence could improve his target share even more. And he had eight targets, which looks much better than his previous games. And it looks like he's getting back into the swing of things. Um, do you have his injury designation now? Uh, the main thing that I'm seeing is that he didn't practice um, on Tuesday. And it's his shoulder. Okay. If he plays, though, do you think he's flex-worthy? Gosh, I don't know. I mean, OBJ, we talked about it last week. He's just, he's really not the player that he was in New York. And uh, I I get it. Baker Mayfield's banged up coming coming into this game. He's going to be doing some pain management based on his injury. Yeah. So, and Denver's defense is not horrible, despite their uh, recent losing streak. So, I don't know. If Honestly, I'd probably avoid him if I could. Yeah, I mean... I just don't feel very confident in him. This this game is really up in the air. Um, he might be forced to start just because of all the buys, all the players that are on buys we talked about before. But, uh, yeah, you don't feel yeah. amazing about it. And then Jarvis Landry uh, could make his return this week. First time since week two, so I guess monitor that. I don't think there's a definitive answer on him either. Um, but, yeah, keep an eye on him. If you have him, because um, you've probably just been keeping him on your bench or in the IR slot. So, yeah, this is an interesting yeah. time for him to come back with all the injuries they're dealing with. I don't know how much impact he can make, but he's definitely a fantasy-relevant player. Yeah, and I think this season, more so than uh, seasons of recent past, the IR slot has really come in handy. Oh, definitely. I, I, feel, I feel the same. I highly recommend... Um, I would say I think one is fine. I don't think doing more than that is really <laughs> a good idea. But if your league doesn't have them, maybe approach your yeah. It depends league on manager. the depth of your league. Um, yeah, that's yeah, true too. Having that IR slot can really help with uh, holding on to valuable players, but not sacrificing uh, bench depth so much. Yeah. All right. So I think we're ready to move on to the first Sunday matchup, which is Chiefs Titans. Should um, be a good one. Yes. So I'll start with Patrick Mahomes who had a strange day. He put up his most passing yards of the season with 397, but back-to-back games with his fewest passing touchdowns, only two, as well as his most interceptions, also two. Um, Both of the interceptions, I think, were very fluky, if I remember correctly. Um, But, again, you're not not worried about Mahomes. Like, it would take way more than this to worry about him. And he still ended up having a decent fancy day just under his projection, so it's not a huge deal. Um, and then with Tyreek Hill, he led the team in receptions and targets, uh, making it three straight games with at least 12 targets, and he found the end zone. So a great day for him. Definitely a must-start wide receiver. Uh, same can be said for Travis Kelsey. Must-start tight end. Most receptions of the season with eight, and tied with his most targets with 11, um, making his day eight receptions for 99 yards. And then the last player we'll talk about on the Chiefs, and I'll ask some questions to you about him, is Daryl Williams who had more rushing attempts than Clyde Edwards-Alaire ever has had in in any game he started this season, uh, while also getting two rushing touchdowns and three receptions. And this backfield is Williams uh, is Williams in, for at least the next two weeks as Clyde Edwards-Alaire isn't eligible to come back until week nine because he was placed on IR last week. So do you think that Williams could carve out a bigger role for himself in this offense even when CEH returns? Absolutely. If you're if you're an owner of uh, a manager of Ceh, I think you're nervous about what happens whenever he comes back because 
uh, Daryl Williams has taken his job and shown him how it's done. Uh, <laughs> yes. If, if he, well, honestly, if Daryl Williams uh, repeats anything like that against the Titans this week, I'd be cons- I'd be seriously concerned with how uh, how that shakes out their their split moving forward. Uh, they're not going to completely bench Ceh, obviously, but. Uh, I think that Daryl Williams is going to get a lot more touches than he was prior to uh, Edward Zolaire's injury. Yeah, he's proving himself, and he has two more weeks to do it again. Um, yeah, and even if he doesn't have another amazing week, he's I think his role has definitely improved from what it would have been uh, earlier in the season just because of this game alone. He showed what he can do. Um, and then with the Titans, <laughs> Derrick Henry. Um, I was looking at his stats this season, and it just, it's ridiculous. Like, as far, he's definitely the fantasy MVP, but do you think, like, is he in the running, no pun intended, for, like, the league MVP this season? Like, I I know it's difficult for running backs to win it, but is he having that type of season? Actually, I'm going to look that up while you go over some of his other stats, because I I do want to look up if they're, when the last running back MVP was. Yeah. It's difficult, but, I mean, it seems like he's having a phenomenal season. He's only had one game this season under 100 rushing yards. This game, he had 20 carries, which is low for Henry, but 143 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns, with one of those rushing touchdowns being a 76-yard touchdown run, where he had the fastest clock speed of any ball carrier this season at 21.8 miles per hour. If you did not see that play... (laughs) I would encourage you to look it up because it's ridiculous um, how yeah, fast he, breaks he is. Through the hole, breaks through the hole and then just a cloud of dust follows him because he's yeah. gone. Yeah, he's gone. Uh, it's ridiculous. And he had two receptions, which he's gotten more receptions. I think more receptions this season than he had all of last season. So the fact that he's adding that to um, his repertoire is, repertoire is uh, really is really amazing it's just like the only bad thing you could have said about henry really is that he doesn't have the receptions and he's still not getting a ton but he's getting more and it's just ridiculous well so if you watch that game he actually caught six passes but four of them were turned down uh from for penalty oh that's actually ridiculous yeah they're they're getting him more involved and it's probably because you know brown and julio which i'll talk about next struggling um i will say that brown aj brown had a decent game uh led the team in targets of nine and this was tied for his most targets this season um do you feel better about brown after this type of a performance uh real quick i want to go back on the uh the running back mvp oh, yeah, so yeah, that, yeah. the last time that happened was 2012 it was adrian peterson okay yes who ran for 2097 yards and 12 touchdowns derrick henry <laughs> already has 10 touchdowns and 750 yards with two-thirds of the season left to go <laughs> So he could do it, for sure. Oh, absolutely. I think it's very, very possible. Um, Of course, you know, that was almost 10 years ago, and so the league has changed a bit in how the game is played. But uh, when you put up stats like uh, Henry is, it's hard to deny. So, yeah, let's move on to A.J. Brown, though. Uh, I do feel, I mean, he had a good game. Yeah. And Julio Jones... Julio Jones was rolled out uh, with like less than four minutes left in the fourth yeah, quarter. Yeah, it was so near the end anyways. Most of that game. Um, that being said, the Titans had most of their uh, offensive weapons available for most of that game, and AJ Brown had a good game. Um, I would say that you know it might be a good time to try to sell high. I don't know. 
Julio yeah. Jones being out, I don't know. It's it's tough to say because AJ Brown historically has been really good, and uh, this is like his first uh, appearance like that this season. So yeah, it depends. It, it depends on your record. I think if you're if you're in a good position and you've just you know managed to have AJ Brown on your team despite that, then keep him. If you're in trouble, maybe you're you know down some running backs. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't be looking at you funny if you tried to move him yeah i really the only reliable person in this offense is derrick henry and <laughs> i mean he's arguably the most reliable uh in the league but that's sad for ryan Tannehill because he had been extremely reliable for a long stretch of games i think like there was some stat in like some time frame where he was like qb3 over like the span of a season and a half um, it was something really high like that. I don't know if that's the exact stat, but he was very consistent, and he just, we haven't seen that Tannehill this season, and it's mainly due to the, probably all the injuries that Brown and Julio have been dealing with, and just the team leaning on Henry, and you can't really blame him. Um, do you feel similarly about Tannehill? Yeah, I think he's starting to fall outside of that uh, QB1 conversation. I think yeah. there's other options that are kind of emerging, like uh, Matt Stafford, for instance, that we'll talk about later. Yeah that are just playing at a higher level and uh, a more consistent level than Tannehill. All right, so we'll move on to the next game, which is the Washington football team versus the Green Bay Packers. And we'll start with Washington, uh, where Terry McLaurin had another disappointing day with only four receptions for 28 yards. Um, in weeks five and six combined, he was targeted 19 times, but only caught eight of them, and it only amounted to 74 receiving yards. Uh, do you think fantasy managers should be panicking on McLaurin? Well, McLaurin is very talented. I think that, you know, with Antonio Gibson banged up, they're probably going to have to pass the ball even more than they already have been. And I know that uh, Heineke's been a bit difficult to watch the past few weeks. Uh, but Terry McLaurin is the number one in their offense. You gotta, I think you've got to keep rolling him out. And I think the Packers' defense doesn't scare you so much. Yeah. I think you can bounce back. And I know I said that last week, but... He's just too talented to uh, to bench at this point. Yeah, you can't bench him, and if you do, you'll pro he'll probably end up being like Robert Woods in Week Five. But or, but we'll we can talk <laughs> more about you. him later. Yeah, um, Antonio Gibson is next. Uh, he's currently questionable because he was ruled out during or no, he returned to the game in Week Six, but he was battling energy eh, energy injury. Um, so his stats are kind of misleading. He actually had a better day in week six uh, as far as yards per carry, but week five he had much more points because I feel like I think he found the end zone twice. Um, but it seems like Gibson is becoming touchdown dependent, and that's really unfortunate because he was like a end of the first round RB, uh, like top 10 RB tier going into draft night. And um, I don't feel really super comfortable if he was on my team and he was my RB1. Uh, yeah, I mean that's all I have to say about it. Yeah. So, so when you yeah when you look at his stats, he's only rushed for twenty times, uh, twice this season. Yeah. And otherwise, it's been thirteen, twelve, fourteen, ten, and he hasn't rushed over ninety yards. He hasn't rushed over seventy yards, other than one time. So yeah, yeah. I would say that you know with his limited passing game usage. Uh, he is pretty touchdown dependent, and he's only got three touchdowns on the season, two in one game. Yeah. Um, and we'll move on to 
JD McKissick, which is if he's not rostered by a team in your league, he's probably near the top of the uh, waivers as far as players you should go after. Uh, he was actually a more efficient runner than Gibson, where he rushed for this week, where he rushed for uh, 45 yards on eight carries. And he also led the team in receptions and targets, having eight receptions for 65 yards. I believe he had 10 targets. Um, so he had an amazing day. And he's probably carving out a bigger role in this offense, at least. Um, I mean, I don't think that the... <laughs> What's crazy about him, he's much more versatile than Gibson. But you obviously feel better about Gibson. So how do you evaluate McKissick? Yeah, McKissick has these games, you know, occasionally through the season where he'll just, you know, pop off. He's kind of like Naheem Hines in that regard. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the trouble is that you don't know when the, those games are going to come. So it'll be interesting to see with Gibson's injury if he's able actually to get his full workload going. I think that you'll probably see McKissick's role reduce. But yeah. if they have to keep pulling Gibson out because of his shin or whatever else he's dealing with, then McKissick has the opportunity to, be, to have more offensive snaps and therefore more opportunities fantasy-wise. Yeah, and let's move on to the last player for Washington, which is someone you identified very accurately as a good waiver grab. And if you did that, congratulations, because Ricky Seals-Jones had a decent day with four receptions for 58 yards and a touchdown. And in week seven, that tight end role is going to be all his again because Logan Thomas is an eligible return in, uh, in week seven. And uh, his week six performance makes him worthy of a waiver acquisition, in my opinion. And, yeah, I mean, you, you called it last week, so I'm sure you agree this week, too, yeah, right? I'll, I'll take, I'll take, the, uh, I'll take the, the praise for that. That was, uh, that was my call, and I, I feel good about it. I feel good about it this week, too. I think that, you know, like I said, the, the football team's going to have to keep passing the ball, and RSJ is going to be there for some targets in the middle. I think that that's a, a good opportunity for managers that uh, use a tight end. And then moving on to the Packers, we have Devontae Adams, who was tied for the most targets on the Packers for Week 6, but that only amounted to 5, but that's really because Aaron Rodgers only threw the ball 23 times. Um, it was an off week for Adams, but he's a must-start, so you're not worried about him. So we'll move on to Aaron Jones. Um, he had 13 a carries. Nervous. Huh? Yeah, a little nervous. Yeah, a little nervous about how Aaron Jones Adams and Jones are two players that you know, have always been considered must-starts, and, you know, a game that was underwhelming for Adams, I'm not concerned, but a game that really wasn't even that underwhelming for Jones, but just the way they're using A.J. Dillon makes you worried about him. I think that Aaron Jones had 13 carries. I believe A.J. Dillon had 11. Um, yes, uh, it reminds me of when uh, Jamal Williams yes. was there a few I years saw, ago. I saw <laughs> yes, I saw a Matthew Barry tweet. Uh, because he always would say free Aaron Jones and then they traded Williams and then so they thought he was free but now I saw a tweet uh, just the other day I was like do we need a free Aaron Jones again <laughs> yeah I AJ Dillon is definitely you know he's creeping in on that on those carries like uh, Aaron Jones is still probably the guy you want in the passing game but I think did Dillon get any catches this week I'm not sure I I'm think not uh, I think sure he was either. just rushing yeah, I'll I can look that up. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's a little, it's a little concerning. I'd be a little nervous about it. Yeah, Dylan had zero receptions this week, but he had four last week. Um, but I mean, it's not yeah. like 
it's not like there's a reality where when they're both healthy, Dylan's going to overtake Jones because Jones still had a good game. It's just, he's, you know, he's, I guess, giving him some competition, um, which I guess proves... Yeah, it just kind of limits his ceiling. Yeah, and it proves Dylan's value, I guess, as a handcuff, um, seeing that he's getting it done. And then if he had the backfield of his own, he'd be great too. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, you're a little worried about Jones. I mean, you're not benching him, but it's definitely something to monitor. And it could potentially, if he has another big game, he could be a sell high just because his ceiling is like creeping downwards. All right, so we're not benching this Aaron, but what about Aaron Rodgers? Ah, uh, yes. 195 yards for two touchdowns? I mean, yeah, I mean... Yards add up in points. Yeah, and he, he only threw the ball 23 times. He completed 17 out of 23, which is very good, um, I would say. And he only threw two touchdowns, but he added one on the ground. I mean, if he's your QB1, I don't think you're really panicking. Um... Because he's still gonna, he still has a decent floor, other than his week one performance. But, I mean, you'd like to see him, you know, throwing the ball more because just his completion percentage shows that he's he's bounced back from week one. Um, he's just not having monster games like he did last season. So, I would still say, you know, I feel I'm fine starting him. I'm not excited about it, but I know that he'll pro most likely be fine. Um, you know, be near around 20 or so. So, I, do you feel similarly about it? Yeah, 20 points, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and especially with this week, we talked about all the quarterbacks you'll be missing. I think he's going to be, you know, borderline top five. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. With Yeah, that's true. Um, just by comparison alone. So we'll move yeah, on to so the no, next no game. No worries on Aaron Rodgers. Yes, for sure. We'll move on to the next game, uh, which is the Bengals versus the Ravens. We'll start with the Bengals. Joe Mixon had a great day. Um, 18 carries, which is not even close to his highest this season, but he always gets a ton of carries. But he also added five receptions, which is pretty high for him, uh, for 59 yards and a receiving touchdown. So he's proven himself to be a must-start RB1, in my opinion. And just seeing him get receptions increases his ceiling even more um, because he's are he's always close to 20 rushing attempts in games that he's completely healthy in um and then with jamar chase he was part of a three-way tie for most targets in this offense that being six of them um he caught four of them for 97 yards he has yet to score single digits this season which makes you feel good about his floor um i don't think you feel amazing about four about four receptions, but 97 yards is very good. Um, and then the reason I don't feel great about that is because a different player on the same team, T, T. Higgins, had the same amount of targets, but he caught one less and had much fewer yards. So he had three receptions for 44 yards. And I mean, I think he's proving to be flex worthy still. He's getting back in the swing of this offense after coming back from injury. It just seems like he's becoming more touchdown dependent. This could have just been an off game for him. Um, but I'll move on to another wide receiver that I know you roster, so I'll ask you. Tyler Boyd had one reception for seven yards. Can Tyler Boyd bounce back? Well, you talk about T. Higgins being flex-worthy. I think that uh, Tyler Boyd is unworthy of being in your flex. Yeah. I am very disappointed in him this season so far. Uh, I don't really know. I don't know where it comes from because he's got... He had all last season with Burrow to have uh, 
you know, build up some chemistry. And I realized that Jamar Chase was Burrow's former teammate and that, that there's a pre-existing relationship there. But it's like it's like Tyler Boyd has just been like, he's getting ghosted by him. Yeah, He's just not getting looked at. And it's very concerning from someone who manages Boyd. Yeah, uh, I'm going to do my best this week to keep him out of my lineup. Uh, and I would recommend that others do the same until until something changes. Yeah, and then with Burrow, as you mentioned, um, I think he's he had his best game of the season in six-point TD passing leagues, uh, and I think he's proving to be a safe starting quarterback. Uh, 19 for 29 for 271 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, throwing only one interception, uh, but rushed five times for 20 yards too, which adds some points. He seems to be doing pretty well, um, and I feel like in... Like I said, six-point passing touchdown leagues. I believe he's only had one game under 20, and that's that's true. Um, so are, he's QB ranked 12 uh, in our league. Yeah, our he's. Scoring I'd say he's becoming a low-end QB one. Yeah, I mean, probably a pretty good option on on this many buys. I think he's inside the top 10, possibly. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we'll move on to the Ravens. And it was a surprisingly dominant display for the Ravens against the Chargers. I was very surprised. Uh, to the point where Lamar Jackson was benched because they were <laughs> winning so badly. And I'll talk about that more later. But Mark Andrews, as far as a fantasy day, he was the only uh, beneficiary having five receptions for 68 yards and a touchdown. Um, so I guess, I mean, he's proving to be a must-start tight end um, just because of how involved he is in this offense. But Lamar Jackson... Um, I guess he didn't need to do it all on his own because he threw 19 for 27, 167 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, which isn't great, eight rushing attempts, which is it was not even a lot for him, but 51 rushing yards. Um, yeah, only threw the ball 27 times, and the team had a total of 38 rushing attempts across six different players. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you a question after I'm done with Marquise Brown that kind of relates to Jackson, too. So with Hollywood Brown, um, he had two very strong performances in weeks four and five, uh, but he didn't get many receiving yards in this game, tied for his lowest amount of targets this season. He only caught the ball four times for 35 yards. So now I'll ask you, what do you make of the Ravens players for fantasy production, and will the Bengals be more of a challenge for them uh, than the Chargers were? So I think that in terms of a more of a challenge they are in the same division i'm pretty certain yes i think that's and true. yeah I, i'm not really great with the divisions but i am pretty certain that's the case uh so division matchups are usually pretty hard fought we didn't really mention it in the thursday matchup because they're not in the same division so never mind. <laughs> uh, for some reason i thought they were playing the raiders uh but anyway yeah, I think that, honestly, I'm not worried about Marquise Brown. Like, he gets a lot of looks in that offense, and he's a big play. He's a play, big play guy. So I'm not worried about it. Uh, I think that Lamar Jackson, you know, he didn't have that great of a game passing, but uh, they didn't need it because they were just dominating the Chargers. I think it was a very uncharacteristic performance from San uh, from uh, Los Angeles, rather. Yeah. And uh, I'm just living in the past, thinking about years ago. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think that I think that Baltimore will have a fine production uh, against the Bengals, and not really worry about it. 
yeah. So we'll move on to the next game, which is the Panthers versus the Giants. And uh, I'll say DJ Moore had his most targets in the entire season with 13, but this was his second worst fantasy performance of the season. Um, and he even had a fumble, I believe, because with my math, he must have, because it doesn't add up. <laughs> he must have had a negative two in there somewhere. Um, but he yeah. only caught five of his 13 targets for 73 yards, which is not bad, but uh, just not a great game for him for what you're expecting for someone that is, you know, a wide receiver one with how he's been playing this season. Uh, he's regressed since his week four performance, but I would argue that's mainly due to Sam Darnold, and we'll talk about that more later. Uh, but are you personally worried about DJ Moore as being deemed as a wide receiver one? Well, I'm not, I can't recall if we re discussed this on the podcast or off air, but uh, DJ Moore I was a little skeptical about him finishing as a wide receiver one. Yeah. I think he certainly has the talent. It's it's about opportunities, and Sam Darnold has been rough the last two weeks. Yeah. Um, just under just under 400 passing yards combined Yeah. Uh, in those past two weeks. Uh, the, the only thing that's really reassuring is that he's not throwing the ball to Robbie Anderson. Yeah. So it's not... <laughs> So we can, that's a nice that. segue. Yeah, Robbie Anderson had three catches for 11 yards, and luckily for anyone who started him, he got a touchdown too, but um, he's extremely touchdown dependent, and it's kind of surprising because he had a kind of, he was kind of a sleeper last season with how well he was doing under the radar, and it's it's surprising to me, him and Darnold, former teammates, but I mean, he's only had one game more than three receptions this entire season. And, yeah, just not great for him. And I yeah, guess that makes he, you feel better about Moore, but, geez, bad he, for Anderson. He might have been a sleeper last year, but it's past his de his bedtime this year. Yeah. But, I, think you, I think it's time that you drop him. Yeah, I do think you have to. I mean, he's only had two games in double digits, and both of them were because of touchdowns. Um, yeah, I think he's definitely drop-worthy. Sam Darnold? Oh, my God. <laughs> 17 pass completions on 41 passing attempts. He had the same amount of completions. That sounds bad. Is that, what, what's the math on that? That sounds bad. That's awful. That's less than 50%. Yikes. He had the same amount of completions as Rodgers, but threw the ball 18 more times. Hmm. If that puts that it in perspective. Bad. Yeah. Uh, so, better than week 5, but still very mediocre. Um, he had a, he had a big rush, which helped, and he's had a lot of rushing touchdowns in the past, but he didn't get one this game, but, I mean, his, he seems to be able to get some big runs when the opportunity arises, so that's good, but I feel like he'll bounce back against the Giants. Um, I mean, he had kind of back-to-back -back difficult matchups, if I'm remembering them correctly, with the Vikings in week six and the eagles i mean they're a fine defense i guess but he just had a horrible yeah, game the that eagles, game. he threw three interceptions like yeah he's he's had i saw a stat during the game that said uh he threw zero interceptions while mccaffrey was playing and i think seven uh without him yeah so you know i i don't know that doesn't really translate necessarily because they're playing different positions but 
the reality is that Sam Darnold's kind of been on a bad stretch these last two weeks, and he's going to get up against the Giants that don't really scare you, so maybe there's a good opportunity for him to bounce back. The Giants are allowing a lot of points to opposing QBs, but it's just something that, you know, we were talking about Darnold being a top 10, top 12 quarterback, and yeah. he's kind of slipping out of that conversation. For sure. No I mean other than his own yeah if you have Darnold I I don't think you feel comfortable starting him this week but you're just hoping that he bounces back to show that he still has his value I think that's the best Some you can people hope for. might not have a better option though with all that's the true weeks. that's true so I think he I if you don't have an option I do think this is a better matchup so that should be fine but yeah I mean you don't <laughs> you feel don't great feel about, about it you don't feel great yeah. about weeks five and six because Weeks one through four, he was proven to be very reliable. So, I mean, you're just hoping he goes back to that. And then Chuba Hubbard, he's undisputably, uh, I said indisputably in the notes. I don't think that's a word. He's undisputably the RB1 of this offense with McCaffrey out. And I'd say he's a very safe flex play as long as McCaffrey is out. And I'll move on to the Giants because I feel almost exactly the same as Devontae Booker. Um, Saquon is not ruled out for week seven correct i don't think he is uh not officially that i know yeah but if barkley ends up being out booker just like i feel with hubbard is a safe flex play um he had a decent day even when the giants were getting blown out by the rams you know 12 rushing attempts for 41 yards and four catches for 28 yards so he's getting the workload so i think he's a safe flex play um and then you got a ton of injuries on this giants team with Saquon being up in the air if he's playing. Galladay, I think he has an injury designation but not been ruled out. Kadarius Tony has been ruled out this week, correct? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, and then Sterling Shepard took advantage of all these injuries last week, and he led the team in targets with 14 and did very well picking up the slack for the rest of the team. He had 10 receptions for 76 yards. So I'll ask you, do you think this is a legit performance for Shepard or just a fluke due to the lack of other options caused by injuries? Well, I think it is, it's a combination of them, really, and I know yeah. that's kind of paradoxical, but uh, Sterling Shepard was doing this earlier in the season. We just haven't seen it in a while. Um, yeah. I think, I'm going to look up his stats right now, but he, uh, that that stat line from last week's game does not surprise me. I mean... In the first two weeks, he had 16 catches on 19 targets for yeah. a little over 200 yards in a passing or in a receiving touchdown. So he was doing this before. He's just been hurt. Um, yeah. I think that people who uh, held on to him during that injury stretch, I think you got you know you got a, a top 25, top 30 wide receiver pretty you know pretty handily. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so I think we're going to move on to the next game, which is Falcons. Dolphins. Um, so the Falcons were on by oh, last just, week. Yeah, you didn't mention anything about Daniel Jones, but he's been, he's been terrible too the last two weeks. Oh yeah, I know that part of that has been injury, but uh, I don't know. I mean, it might just be a <laughs> might be a running game. It might be uh, maybe it's a chance for both quarterbacks to bounce back. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, he started the season somewhat strong. Um, I feel like I was starting to feel better about Darnold than I was about Jones, but Jones also has had a similar trajectory as Darnold. Um, so, yeah, honestly, I feel He hasn't similarly, thrown a touchdown in the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, he's he, he's doing even worse than Darnold, I'd say. Mm -hmm. um, and then the team's dealing with more injuries. So, I yeah. mean, if you... 
yeah, I mean, I guess you hope he bounces back, but I don't think, what is his roster percentage? I doubt it's super high. I mean, maybe for leagues that have two QBs, you'd be rostering him, but I, he's rostered <laughs> I just to, under. I didn't mean to DRL us. We can move on. No, I, yeah, he's rostered just under half. So I feel like he'll bounce back, but he's had two bad games. And yeah, he did start the season strong, though. Yeah, so Falcons, Dolphins. Um, Falcons were on by last week, and I'm polling their stats from their London matchup. Uh, and yeah, Calvin Ridley is practicing again coming back from some personal issue um he's the undisputed wide receiver one there he wasn't und- he's the undisputed wide receiver one for this team and he was an undisputed wide receiver one as far as his value going into draft night but he hasn't been anything special but he's been reliable um double digit targets in every single game he's played in the season except for week one is reassuring and he's back practicing i know you have ridley blake um do I you do. still feel pretty comfortable I do. He's uh he's certainly not performed up to expectations from what he set last season. Yeah. But I will say this, uh, the uh, double digit targets and he's caught at least 5 passes every game he's played. So yes. he's got a he's got a really good floor. Um they're playing the Dolphins and I think they will still be without at least one of their corners. Mm. So I mean, we'll see. Uh, he's He's a talented wide receiver. I'm not worried about him. Yeah. He's just not really performing up to expectations. Uh, but, you know, you still, you're still starting him, and I think you feel okay about it. Yeah, I agree. Um, but on the other hand, Kyle Pitts had a huge game and kind of a make-or-break performance because he wasn't doing super well before this game. Um, but he exploded for nine receptions on 119 yards and a touchdown. Um and I guess he proved his hype going into the season. He led the team in targets of 10. Um, I expect him to regress a bit, but I feel like he's proven himself to have at least a double-digit floor just because of the this, receptions he should be getting. So this reminds me a little bit more of uh, Kadarius Tony because that game where he had that stat line was yes. without Russell Gage and without Calvin Ridley. Yeah. And it was the Jets, I want to say. Is that right? Yeah, I think They're that's true. The Jets. So... I'm not sold off this one performance. Honestly, if I were a manager of Kyle Pitts, I probably would have tried to sell high, even though he was going into a buy the following Agreed. week. Agreed. He will definitely regress um, from that performance. Yeah, so with, uh, with the Falcons pass catchers at full health, I think that, you know, he's been, he really was nothing special prior to that game. That was literally, like you said, a make or break because he was the only guy that had a pulse, seemingly, on that offense. <laughs> yes. So I don't know. I think uh, uh, we'll see. I, I I'm not super confident about starting him, but you know it's the Dolphins. So yeah, whatever. I mean, someone else that had a pulse though, and it's still crazy to even think that he's becoming a reliable player is Cordell Patterson. Um, he's the definition of a dual threat player. He had one more carry than Mike Davis with. Before this game, the most carries he ever had was seven, and in this game he had 14 carries, one more than Mike Davis, and he had the second most targets in the passing game, where he caught seven of his nine targets, um, and he didn't even need a touchdown this game to return 18.4 points in full PPR leagues, um, but do you still expect him example. to regress? Blake, yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, I think this is an example of uh, Patterson you know, earning his spot in the offense and kind yeah. of 
uh, Atlanta recognizing what they have in him and kind of dialing back some of what Mike Davis has been doing in this past game, at least. Uh, so, yeah, I think Cordero Patterson, you know, he's definitely earned it. Like, it, it's yeah. not as though he's getting in this position because of injury or anything. Mike Davis has been healthy. He just hasn't been very good. Yeah, I mean, you don't average 20.4 points after five games and call it a fluke. You can't write him off completely. But do you still expect him to regress a bit, or is, is he, like, a high-end RB2? Well, we've talked about how the pace at which he's scoring touchdowns, you, you can't maintain it. So yeah. from that perspective, yeah, he's going to slow down a little bit. But I think you're right in that he will, because of his passing game usage, he's going to remain probably an RB2 rest of season with, uh, I mean, especially if Mike Davis's role keeps decreasing. Yeah. And then speaking of Mike Davis, uh, he had his first rushing touchdown of the season, but he was out carried by Patterson which doesn't make you feel good about him. And he only had two receptions, so it's not like he makes up any ground there. Um, yeah, so I say you're pretty nervous about him. He's had double digits every week, but I don't feel comfortable at his, his future outlook because of all the stuff we've said about Patterson. Um, yeah, I think uh, Mike Davis, considering where you probably drafted him, is probably a bust. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of uh, that that allows us to segue into Miles Gaskin and the Dolphins. Yeah. Oh my God. You were right about <laughs> not kicking yourself for benching him in Week Five because he had seven touches f- between the between running and catching. That's right. For five a total for nine yards. <laughs> yeah. For a total of fourteen yards. That that's yeah. that's awful. He was out-carried by Salvon Ahmed and had the same amount of carries as Malcolm Brown and wasn't involved in the passing game, which is where he had like his big week in Week 5. So I think it's safe to say that Week 5 was definitely a fluke just because of all their injuries. Yes, agreed. Uh, he went from 31.9 to 3.4. <laughs> I that's mean, awful. That's like... That's like a that's like a stat line from a quarterback that had a really good game and then got injured the following game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's ridiculous. In like the first quarter. Yeah, that's bad. Two players that had a great game though in London in week six would be Mike Gesicki, Gesicki, yeah, <laughs> who Gisicki. had eight receptions for 115 yards, uh, second most targets for the Dolphins at nine, second most targets for uh, Gesicki this season. I mean, I would say he's definitely a must-start tight end at this point. I mean, you know how I always say, non-touchdown-dependent tight ends are pretty much must-start, and I think that that's true for him, too. Yeah, it's difficult to say, though, just because this game was played without Devontae Parker and Will Fuller. Yes. Um, so, you know, they're... they're it's you know it's kind of going back to Kadarius Tony that they're, they're having people fill in, like, kind of pick up the slack, but... It's uh, it's too soon to say whether he's a legit tight end, um, you know, and a legit, a legit tight end's hard to come by. Yeah. Uh, as long as Parker and uh, Fuller are out, yeah, I feel good about playing him because they use him a lot. But uh, I'll be interested to see when those two are back, how his uh, role shakes out. For sure. And then Jalen Waddle led the team in targets of 13 and had a very strong day where he had 10 receptions for 70 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, does this prove that Tua's absence was the main reason for Waddle underperforming in weeks four and five? Uh, it's possible. I mean, 
I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, what was what was the guy's <laughs> the quarterback's name? Tua. No, no, you always do that. The other one. <laughs> oh, I we don't did know. this last week too. I have no idea. Great. Oh, so, uh, no, Jacoby Brissett, right? Yeah, right, Brissett. I, I he's just he's not very relevant, so I can't keep him in my head. <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, he he was you know he was okay. Tua is obviously better, and the interesting thing is that Waddle is having these high reception games and low receiving yard games all in one. Yeah. Uh, just a few weeks ago, he had, what was it, 12 or 14 catches for, like, 60 yards? Yeah. Yeah, 12 catches for 58 yards. So uh, he's ha- he's he has a very peculiar usage. He's kind of like a running back with how they're using it in the passing yeah. game. Like, uh short yardage plays but uh, i mean obviously flex worthy and you know you're happy that he found the end zone twice i think that oh, you yeah, know he's sure. gonna be he's gonna be pretty reliable he's gonna be more reliable i'd say with tua in the lineup than with Brissett. definitely and with Devonte parker monitor his injury status because i don't believe he's been ruled out um and should make his return in week seven He's been good for at least seven targets in each of the games he's played this season, and to his return should only improve his fantasy outlook, in my opinion. And we've already I talked about him a little bit. Yeah, so I think he'll be fine. And the next game, Jets-Patriots. Um, the only, th- I mean, the Jets were on by last week. I'd say the only players that are relevant are Corey Davis and Michael Carter. Um, Davis has only had one game this season below seven targets. Should continue to see a high target share, but, I mean, you don't feel good about Zach Wilson at quarterback. Uh, and Michael Carter had a decent week in week five, so and he's trending towards having at least double-digit carries. So, but do you feel good starting any Jets player in fantasy? Uh, maybe the kicker. Huh. <laughs> Maybe the kicker. Uh, I think it's is it Jason Myers. Yeah, that sounds right. Oh, I can't right. look in our league. We don't have kickers. Uh, but yeah, honestly, I was just gonna say start the Patriots defense because I yeah. think that Zach Wilson and it's a division game. Uh, I think Zach Wilson throws a couple more interceptions. I I don't believe in that guy yet. And besides Corey Davis, I mean, the other one. Uh, I don't know why I'm having such a hard time with names today. Oh, but, uh, uh, Crowder? Yeah, Jameson Crowder. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, those two guys are the pass catchers you want in this offense, but you don't really want them so much yeah. as you probably have to play them with buys this week if you uh, if you find yourself with no better options. I, I, I'm sticking with playing the Patriots defense and this not being a very close matchup between the two. Yeah, agreed. And we can move on to the Patriots because they have more re- relevant players. Uh, Damian Harris had a second 100-plus rushing yard game this season. And his third game with a rushing touchdown, he had 18 carries for 101 yards on touchdown. Um, he only caught the ball once, but and that but that's not really the player he is being in the receiving game. But, I mean, you feel good about his rushing floor. And do you believe that Harris has become a safe flex play? Yeah, I wish I'd played him in flex last week. He would have uh, won me my matchup single-handedly since Tyler Boyd screwed me. But uh, besides that, we actually have the unique opportunity to compare their stats because the Jets, they've already played the Jets once this season. So 
Last time they played the Jets in Week Two, he rushed the ball for 16 times and 62 yards and a touchdown. I mean, that's those are pretty that's, good flex that's numbers. A that's 13.4 points. Yeah, that's a very solid game. Um, Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, kind of how I said last week. I don't feel like he can really start either of them because they just detract from each other. And this week, they only combined for four targets and two receptions. Henry was just lucky to find the end zone. So, I don't. We talked about it last week. I think they detract from each other's value just because this offense um, values both of them and I just don't see one of them going away but I mean this wasn't a game where they had much production just Henry got in the end zone uh, and then uh, with Jacoby Myers oh, oh 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 breaking news breaking news oh let's hear it Jacoby Myers caught a pass in the end zone let's okay. go yeah I saw that on Twitter before I saw the gif basically saying that was false because uh it was ruled back. There was a penalty. But he did actually catch a pass in the end zone that counted, but it was only for a two-point conversion. So it's ridiculous. Yeah, the streak continues. Not, yeah, the streak continues. Um, I, I I, am certain it will break this season. Just with the amount of targets he gets. He only had six this game, but he led the team in targets. Mac Jones only threw the ball 21 times. So, I mean, him leading the team in targets is still good to see, and there'll be days where he has even more targets. So there'll be better days for Jacoby Myers, uh, mainly because, I mean, it's not even really close. He has 52 targets on the season, and that's 22 more than the person that has the second most targets, which I believe is Aguilar. So better days ahead for Jacoby Myers, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. I think this is the season that he gets his receiving touchdown. I mean, it was going to be really tough last year with Cam Newton starting. He he ran like he probably ran 21 times in one game. He he <laughs> threw the ball so infrequently. Yeah. Very frustrating to watch, but I think there's a very good opportunity in this offense this season that that streak is broken. All right, and Brav, I'll hand it over to you to take over for the first matchup with I guess your notes, which would be Eagles Raiders. Yeah, I got to shake off the rust a little bit. We're switching it up in terms of the format. So uh, let's go ahead and start with Jalen Hurts. And we talked about this Eagles offense uh, last week in our news episode that you should expect uh, for week seven coming out on Saturday. Yes. But, yeah, Jalen Hurts, I mean, very few completions, only 12 on 26 attempts. It's a better matchup coming ahead against the Raiders, and his rushing ability provides a high floor. I'm not, I'm not worried about him. He's he's got he's putting up points, and you can't really you can't really uh, you can't diss him for that. Yeah. Miles Sanders, Carson, how do you feel about him? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure I talked about it on the news episode we upload on Saturday, which. Definitely go check it out if you want more analysis on the Eagles and the Buccaneers because we spent, I think, over 10 minutes just talking about that matchup alone. But Miles Sanders going into the season was someone I was definitely avoiding based off his value. Like, he was being valued as pretty much a high-end RB2, and I just didn't buy it. Um, it was ridiculous because he was valued even higher going into last season. But, I mean, he didn't. he had a mediocre season last season, if I remember correctly. But his value still stayed high, and he's just proving that he is not valuable. Nine nine rushing attempts. I know that in the second half, and we talked about this, he had, like, he was very efficient with his carries. But yeah, he for, probably racked up, like, 30 or 40 yards on off of just a few carries in the fourth quarter alone. Yeah, but if he's most likely, 
your RB2 unless you went really running back heavy in your draft, and nine carries is just atrocious for a game that he is completely healthy in. Yeah, and you got to think about all the players on by that are, you know, fantasy-relevant running backs, so you might not have a better option, but... If yeah, uh, if you I mean, can try, maybe maybe go for a Darius Johnson or something like that. Because yeah, uh, Miles Sanders uh, not feeling great. I mean, heck, uh, I, because of all the buys I'm having this week on my team, I'm starting Kenneth Gainwell at running back. So, and he's oh, okay. he's a player on this team that we're not even talking about, but he's the other running back that has. Yeah, it's a it's a foregone conclusion that you will lose this week well i'm uh, facing the worst team in the league no offense bryce if you're listening <laughs> um, well, bryce is bryce is starting a real team you're starting a bunch of scrubs so it's true it's true i'll tell you this if uh if you if you win your matchup this week i'll 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 buy you a lollipop okay i'm looking forward to it all right so Devonte smith four targets not great he had two catches for 31 yards, but uh, you know it was a it was a rough passing game for Hertz. So he's still the wide receiver that I want on that team. If you're going to have an Eagles wide receiver, otherwise Dallas Goddard, who didn't play because of COVID reasons, uh, with Hertz gone, you know you feel a lot better about Goddard having a uh, independent role as the tight end spot in that offense. So you got to feel good about that, in, especially in PPR formats. Agreed. All right, let's move on to the Raiders. Now, Derek Carr is kind of, I've been hearing, we're hearing, we'll say, talk about him being a reasonable bi-week fill-in for quarterback. But here's my thing with him. He hasn't thrown for more than two touchdowns in any of the games so far. So how does that make you feel for someone who has to replace a quarterback? I mean, he's getting the yards, isn't he? If I remember my analysis from last week, like this is not a uh, oh, out yeah, of character second, game for he's, him. He's second in passing yards in the league. Yeah, so I would say if you're f- being forced to start him because of like buys on your team, I think you feel fine because his passing yards gives him a, a great floor, and if he just has a game with I don't know one more passing touchdown, uh, he's gonna have a great day. Yeah, the trouble is that it hasn't come yet, and it's been yeah. it's been six weeks. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's very he's very consistent though. Hasn't it been two in every single game? <laughs> uh, every game except for Chicago, where he put up a stinker of zero and one interception. Yeah. But yeah, I think you know, I get it. You know, a lot of quarterbacks on a bye. If you got to play them, I think there are definitely worse options, but. That that lack of a that lack of a ceiling with his uh, passing touchdowns does concern me. Let's move on to the running backs. Josh Jacobs had a season high 16 carries. You like to see that? Uh, caught one pass for 29 yards. But he's kind of kind of touchdown dependent, you know. Yeah. And with his inconsistent passing game usage, uh, I don't know. It's a it's a tough week though for running backs, so I get it. I get why you have to start him. Yeah. Kenny and Drake though, what do you think about his his performance? Can I just say, I think this will sum up how I feel about him. This past week, week six, he had twenty one point three points on six touches. That's really efficient. You like to see that. I don't buy it at all. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that, uh, and I said this last week, I said, 
drop him, and I don't feel bad about him putting up a crazy good game points wise because, like you said, six touches. I mean, you're not gonna get you're not gonna get fantasy points. You're not gonna have them fall into the end zone twice on six touches week after week. That he's got an unreliable yeah. uh, usage in this offense. He had one that's... touch in week four, and it was one rush for two yards. And let's just say he had two okay no 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 he had four more touches in week six and he had week five and that amounted to 19.8 more points yeah i don't buy it (laughs) yeah me neither i'm okay with you uh you know if you dropped him i think you made the right decision because you probably filled in for someone who's going to be doing a little bit more with uh their opportunities uh henry ruggs what did i say boomer bust right yes yeah so he caught a touchdown on a long pass, probably 50-yard plus, I want to say. Finished the day with three catches for 97 and a touchdown. Uh, like I said, these are the weeks that you get from Henry Ruggs. Can he do it against the Eagles? Maybe. Could he not? Maybe. We'll just have to wait and see. But I think uh, I think someone that we can kind of get a, dig a little deeper with is Darren Waller. He only had five targets, and that's such a noticeable drop from 19 targets in week one yeah how are you feeling about how are you feeling about darren waller so far on the season i mean he's still the tight end four in leagues that, that have a, much no in leagues we have to start <laughs> a tight end though he's a must start i mean he just is like yeah you can't give up on him um but yeah it is week one he started the season so strong and other than week five he's had double digits in every single game so, I mean, he's giving you a decent floor, but I feel like he'll bounce back. I mean, he's not going to have, he's not going to go all the way back up to what he did week one, but I just feel like this is, for Derek Carr getting so many passing yards, it's a little surprising, um, but I feel like you'd still have to be comfortable with him, especially uh, if you're playing him in the tight end slot. Oh, yeah, no doubt about that. I think he's just been uh, underwhelming at the tight end position considering where you probably drafted him yes all right let's move on to our next matchup between the lions and the rams these two teams traded in the offseason swapping quarterbacks and future draft picks and let's start with jared goff jared goff stinks he's got three (laughs) games with zero passing touchdowns on the season i hope i hope for the lion's sake that those future draft picks pay off because they got they got boned on this <laughs> on this trade in terms of quarterback talent. Jared Goff does not look good, and the and the pass catchers, I mean, not that he has anyone to really throw to besides Hawkinson, which we'll talk about in a moment. But uh, it's it's a it's a rough it's a rough it's a rough look for the Lions that are uh, that are winless so far on the season. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with everything. It shows you. I mean, I, I can't believe Stafford did anything. Uh, uh, just show, I'm glad that Stafford has had his chance to show that he is a very good quarterback and the Rams gave him that opportunity. So I'm happy Absolutely. for Stafford. Uh, I can't believe that Goff made a Super Bowl. I know he was playing better that season, <laughs> but just imagine if, like, I don't know, even Stafford was there. Well, and remember, too, that was one of the most boring Super Bowls of yes. your lifetime. Yes, and it was mainly because of, like, they even got there, I'd say, mainly because of, like, Todd Gurley and just, like, the talent of Woods and Cup. And wasn't Cooks there back then, too? I mean, 
I uh, believe he was, yeah. Goff had a ton of weapons, and now you're seeing that he can't carry a team. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it's it's a rough time if you're a Detroit fan, but uh <laughs> let's move on to a player that has kind of risen amongst the garbage, which is DeAndre Swift. Yeah, not not a very impressive stat line by any means, but he's still got you, I believe, 17 and a half fantasy points. Uh 13 carries for 24 yards and a touchdown, five catches. That's where all of his value really comes from for 43 yards. Yeah, I mean, for PPR, he's he's valuable, but again, I don't think I'll ever buy Swift's production. I mean, come on. He was lucky to find the end zone on a rush, but less than two yards per carry? Like, that's just sad. Yeah, it's not ideal, I'll tell you that. I, I will say, if uh, when DeAndre Swift becomes a free agent, because hopefully the Lions do him a favor and don't, uh, don't, like, franchise tag him and keep him there, but... If he's in a legit offense, this guy, this guy could be really, really good. Yeah, I mean, he certainly has the versatility. I, I cannot deny that. Yeah, let's move on to Hawkinson, who had eight catches for seventy-four yards. Uh, he kind of showed up, and I think he's been, you know, he's been kind of quiet the last few weeks, besides weeks one and two, where he just had a really hot start. Um, yeah, this was his first double-digit performance in four weeks, and. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that it goes back to your fant rant about how tight ends are uh, unreliable and just, you know, you don't like to play them. So I get it. But uh, 11 targets in this game. He still hasn't scored since week two, like found the end zone. And uh, uh, the reality, like we said, with Jared Goff lacking in receiving weapons, no other tight end or wide receiver had over 37 receiving yards this game. Yeah, so, I mean, so that's why Goff's... he has such a good floor. I mean, at least he should have. Yeah, when Jared Goff isn't throwing to the wrong team, <laughs> he's just dumping it off to players, his own teammates, you know, for just pennies, just yeah. nothing. All right, let's move on to a more positive note here where we got some real fantasy studs. Matthew Stafford, 22 for 28 on passing, 251 yards four passing touchdowns, one interception, so not perfect. But I think I think against his former team, I think Stafford lights them up. I agree. Yeah, and this game is uh, at home for the Rams, correct? Um, I mean, with the way this is listed, that would be true. I believe that's the case, yeah. So, you know, too bad that he doesn't get to go do it in his old home stadium, but I think that I think they just I think they just demolished the Lions this week. Yeah, it's in it's in Los Angeles. Okay, that's what I figured. Um, yeah, Daryl Henderson, a lot of carries, 21 carries, 78 yards and a touchdown, and then he gets another touchdown off of two catches and 29 yards. I I'm really happy that I drafted this guy, and I got a I got a really good value out of him. Oh, for sure. Um, Sony Michelle did get nine carries for 42 yards. But he's still the clear backup for Henderson. I'm not worried. I'm not so worried as I was last week about their uh, their split. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I don't. I don't think you can be worried about Daryl Henderson at all. And I mean, Sony Michelle has value just because. I mean, he's being somewhat efficient with his carries. Um, but yeah, he's just. I feel like at this point, just a good handcuff. Nothing more. Yeah, agreed with that. How about Cooper Cup? 
Nine catches for 130 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, this dude, this dude, I I think he really has a serious chance to finish wide receiver one on the season. Yeah, he does. I just wish he could share more with Robert Woods, and you'll get onto that in a second. <laughs> um, but yeah, double digit yeah, targets and double digit targets in every game this season. Is there another wide receiver that's done that? I don't know. Uh, don't think I've seen it. I'm not certain of that. I would have to do some some digging, but I think that would it be Ridley or he had eight in week one? I think. Yeah, yeah. I Otherwise, mean, Ridley, but he's missed. He's played fewer games than Cup. Cup Cup is so good this year. Yeah, he's got two touchdowns in half the games he's played so far. Three of six, uh, and over ninety receiving yards in all but one game so far. And to think that pretty undisputedly. Robert Woods was being drafted ahead of him. Yeah, I, it just, you know, it, it goes to show that sometimes preseason ranks are just not what they end up being, you know? Yep, it's true. Yeah, Robert Woods did have his game salvaged, you know, if he started him, which he probably should have after he went off the prior yeah. week. But two catches for 31 yards and a touchdown. If he doesn't fall in the end zone, I think that, you know, he's kind of in the same situation as the other players that we were talking about before, that if they don't score, they're probably like, uh, you're not starting this guy. He's not really proven himself. Yeah, I feel like if he had a big week this week, it, he definitely would be like a sell high on everyone's like uh, trade recommendations. But I feel like he had literally proven that he can't be reliable even if he was to have another big week which is disappointing um i don't know exactly why they're playing this offense like cup is the only wide receiver there um it's great for cup owners but not so much for people that have robert woods <laughs> yeah you find yourself in a tough tough spot because you can't trade him after that performance and you can't trust him week to week to be a starter in your lineup so yeah it's a, I, I don't envy your situation, uh, rostering Woods. Nope. All right, let's move on to Bears at Buccaneers. Justin Fields. Man, I I want this guy to be good. I think that he's got, there was there was potential for the Patriots to draft him in, uh, over the offseason. Off yeah. And I was excited about that prospect. But now that I have seen what Mac Jones can do, and you know, their seasons, their careers are far from over, but uh, you know I feel good about Mac Jones. But back to Justin Fields, uh, sixteen for twenty-seven, under two hundred passing yards for one passing touchdown and one interception, six carries for forty-three yards. That keeps his floor at a decent place, but the passing game is lacking, and it's uh, it's hurting these receivers that desperately need help as it is. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's good to see him get more passing uh, passing attempts, but um, yeah, I don't, as far as starting him in fantasy, I mean, you're not, but I mean, yeah. him just getting more passing attempts could salvage the wide receivers that you'll talk more about later. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and jump over Khalil Herbert for a moment and just cover that real quickly. Uh, Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney both had you know very similar stat lines besides Mooney fall, uh, finding the end zone. Seven and eight targets, respectively. Uh, this upcoming matchup against the Buccaneers is a good matchup, but uh, until Justin Fields improves as a passer, 
I think you need to probably avoid them. I, it's just tough. It's so tough with so many teams on a bye that have fantasy relevant wide receivers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Agreed. Um, I mean, if Mooney isn't rostered and you're. I still think he's a valuable player to get off the waivers. He's worth he's, adding. Yeah, yeah. He's worth adding for sure because if, if Fields develops or, you know, Andy Dalton returns or whatever happens with that quarterback situation there. If it improves, I think he's a valuable player because he has talent and he's uh, he's already scored a few touchdowns, I want to say. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I hope that Fields can bounce back and phew, next season, Allen Robinson's value, he's going to be, he's already super underrated. And if Fields, you know, if they end the season uh, somewhat strongly, Robinson could be a steal next season, but you're just not liking him right in this moment. Yeah, for this season's purposes, he is a bust of a draft pick at this point. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and uh, double back to Khalil Herbert, who had 19 carries for 97 yards and a touchdown, as well as two receptions for 15 yards. Hopefully you pick this guy up because he really showed up in his first start. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, <laughs> had a phenomenal day for someone that would have been third in the depth chart for their running backs. Yeah, agreed there. Uh and, you know, funnily enough, the only other player who carried the ball in this game was the tight end, Cole Komet, besides Justin Fields and Khalil Herbert. So it's clearly his backfield to play with as long as Damian Williams and David Montgomery are unavailable. Although, I will say that there's word that Damian Williams may be returning this week. I was just about to ask. And then I don't know how that makes you feel about Herbert. Um, but with the amount of times they're running, like they did in week five, I mean, he still has value with Montgomery being out as, uh, as well. Yeah, it just might be something that, you know, it was fun while it lasted. We'll see if it, uh, if it yeah. continues, if Damian Williams returns. It might be a, a much more risky play there, especially against the Buccaneers' run defense, which is, as we know, very legit. Yes. Let's go ahead and move on to the Buccaneers' players. Of course, we got my guy Tom Brady didn't have the best fantasy day but got the win played well by no means was it a bad game for him just not as many points as he was projected and uh fewer than you'd like to see against the eagles defense yeah um, and i think you just need to focus on the 34 for 42 i feel like that's really great and shows why he is you know arguably the goat it just uh, even though he didn't get many passing yards or have too many passing touchdowns he's i mean it's just ridiculous how well he's playing even if it doesn't always translate to fantasy um i mean most of the time it is this season yeah i agree with that i mean i think part of it also came with just how how well leonard fournette played 22 carries for 81 yards and two touchdowns including six catches for 46 yards i mean this is the running back that you want to roster in this offense and we talked about this before but i mean Carson, what do you do with Ronald Jones if you have him? <sighs> I mean, I don't... What's strange about this is, like, because they went into the season with it kind of being up in the air, like, who would have more value, I don't think many people are rostering Fournette and Jones. But honestly, that's, like, the only situation where I feel like he's worthy of being on a roster. <laughs> Agreed. I think, yeah, if you're gonna if you're going to handcuff him, that's okay. But yeah, otherwise, uh, that's he's wasting a spot in your roster because he's just not getting any touches. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's move on to Antonio Brown. 
and the other pass catchers. Nine catches for 93 yards and a touchdown. Another big game, 13 targets. Uh, his second game on the season with double-digit targets and his fourth game with at least seven. He's easily the best value for where he was drafted among these Tampa Bay pass catchers. Would you agree? For sure. I mean, he was drafted third, and I mean... I don't know what the position rankings say. I feel like for sure he's got to be higher than Evans, right? And, I mean, Godwin sometimes has bigger weeks, but, I mean, it's hard to say that one is so much more reliable than the other two, but Antonio Brown was drafted as the third by far out of them three, and he's proving to he's proving everyone wrong for doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so their rankings are 15 for Brown, 21 for Godwin, and I'm pulling up Evans as I speak, which is... It's got to be lower. 14. Wow. I'm surprised. So he's actually, yeah, he's actually ahead of Brown still by one, uh, despite the dud that he did last week. Two catches for 27 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Evans has these games, though. He... He puts up a lot of points, or he puts up very few points. There's just games where he's going to disappear in this offense. The last time he did it was week one, so he had a decent stretch of being a very productive uh, wide receiver, but, you know, you should should know this. You should expect this from him because it's just something that happens for whatever reason. Yeah, agreed. And then Chris Godwin, who was the, uh, the middle performer of this game, uh, he hasn't scored a touchdown since week two, but he is getting at least five targets every game and at least 55 receiving yards in all but one game. Uh, you know, he feels he feels like he should be due for a touchdown soon. He's a very talented player. I know that he gets looks in the red zone, so I'm not worried about him, uh, and I think that it's a uh, pretty good matchup against the Bears. So, yeah. I'm going to keep rolling with him. I think he's – I'm gonna. I'll call it right now. He scores a touchdown this week. I hope so. I hope so. Mm-hmm. All right. And then uh, Rob Gronkowski, who did not participate in this previous game. Uh, there is no official word on whether he will play or not this week. Honestly, personally, I would not be surprised if they held him out until after their Week 9 bye. Uh, just given the injury of uh, fractured ribs and a punctured lung, like he's got some recovery to do still. And he even said himself earlier this season that one of the reasons that he retired early was because he was always returning from injury, you know, too quickly. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm like, we're talking about somebody who has literally retired. So I doubt they're going to rush him back in just because of I mean, his injury history and just, you know, I, I mean, I know he probably retired because he didn't want to play without Brady, but it's also because of his injuries, so they're not going to rush him, I don't think, either. Yeah, so we'll, we'll have to, you know, monitor that going into Sunday, but again, I, I would not be surprised if they held him out this week and uh, weeks in the future as well. Yes. All right, let's move on to Texans at Cardinals. Brandon Cooks. Nine catches for 89 yards, no touchdown, but 13 targets. He finally bounced back after struggling for a few weeks. I think it was two or three. Um, he's he's the only fantasy-relevant player that the Texans have, I believe. Would yeah. you agree? Agreed, for sure. Just as far as like a consistent floor 
And I know that, yeah, this is a balance bet game, but this, I mean, this just has to be how he performs more regularly just because of their lack of options. Yeah, we saw last week that a couple guys, what was it, the two... Uh, Chris and Chris. Poles? Chris, right, the two Chris's that showed up and had good games. But more often than not, you can expect Brandon Cooks to put up pretty good fantasy numbers in this offense. Yes. Um, and then I would quickly note that Mark Ingram did have 18 carries, 73 yards, didn't have a touchdown. But... Yeah, with the way that that backfield is, I mean, that backfield is comprised of Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, David Johnson. I mean, those are all like, you know, three, four years ago, four years ago. Those are all, well, maybe not Philip Lindsay. I don't know if he was around by then. Uh, but uh, either way, yeah, talented, talented running back. So they're going to continue to use those guys just kind of like who has the hot hand. I wouldn't guarantee, you know, you can't guarantee that Mark Ingram leads and carries week after week. And, uh, I mean, Philip Lindsay had seven carries, so yeah. it's, it's a, it's a, it's a timeshare that you just don't really want any part of. Yeah. And then like the, the order you named them, Ingram, Lindsay, and Johnson, I, I mean, that was like, that's the reverse of what everyone thought their order would be going into the season. So it's just too unpredictable. <laughs> yeah. Agreed there. Let's move on to the Cardinals. Uh, Kyler Murray looked really good without the head coach there. 20, 20 completions on 30 attempts for 229 and four TDs. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the offense looked good. They were moving the ball around a lot. Uh, three different players got a touchdown. AJ Green, Christian Kirk, and DeAndre Hopkins twice. DeAndre Hopkins, that those two touchdowns saved his day. He only had three <laughs> catches for 55 yards. Uh, and four targets for Hopkins how how are you feeling about Hopkins so far this season? It's been really weird. <laughs> I mean, for sure. I just feel like uh, it's probably because they have enough options. I don't know how you don't, you know, feed DeAndre Hopkins just with how great of a wide receiver he is. But, I mean, through the season, there was a stretch where weeks three through five, Murray only threw three passing touchdowns. So... And seeing him have four this game, even with with his lowest passing yards, I think is reassuring for DeAndre Hopkins, um, just because he should be catching touchdowns for this team. But four targets is, like, scary. But, I don't know, I think that this offense just gets it done. And even if the stat line isn't pretty, I feel like Hopkins should still be fine. Yeah, the reality is that he's he has only had one single-digit performance, otherwise it's been... 10 or 15 plus every week yeah um he's got three 20 plus point games i'm seeing here but yeah regardless i i just for some reason like he's feeling more touchdown dependent than than i remember him being in the past and i i think maybe that does have something to do with what you said with how many options the cardinals have and yes and you know going off of that they just acquired zach Ertz. yeah and that adds even so more one, one more one more mouth to feed yeah so I'm not, you know, I'm not panicked on Hopkins. Obviously the two touchdowns saved him and he had very few targets, but I mean, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a little nervous, I guess, but yeah, he's still, he, the talent is still there. So we'll see. I think he gets more targets this week. 
I agree. Anyway, let's move on to the running backs uh, quickly. James Conner. Uh, so Chase Edmonds was banged up. He's he did uh, he did miss a good portion of this game, and that allowed James Conner to rack up some rushing attempts. But otherwise, I mean, it was just the game. It was just how the game was going. Like the the Cardinals were up big most of the time, and he's still a tight end. He's still a touchdown dependent flex with uh, 8.1 points on 17 touches. I mean, that's not great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, AJ Green, six targets every game except for week five. He had five catches for 79 yards and a touchdown. And then pretty much his his mirror, his statistical <laughs> mirror, Christian yeah. Kirk, five catches for 75 yards and a touchdown. Um, his eight targets ties his season high, but he still feels like the lowest on the totem pole, along with Rondale Moore. I think that that's kind of beginning to become more apparent that AJ Green is probably the wide receiver that you want um, if it's not DeAndre Hopkins in this offense. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree. Um, and I feel like you're going to go on to say this with like Ertz discussion, but like. <sighs> You just don't feel confident, and even seeing Hopkins only get four targets. But I mean, you're you gotta stick with Hopkins. But I mean, Green had a good day, um, and like you said, there was a point in the season where Rondo Moore had the most targets in this offense. So yeah, I think just by default, Kirk has to be the lowest. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and then yeah, we did mention Zach Ertz got traded to this team. Uh, they're making a push for the Super Bowl, and I think that they have a serious uh, they have a serious chance. I mean, they're undefeated going into the or closing out the first third of the season. Uh, we'll see how much how much play Zach Ertz gets this week, uh, just because he's probably still learning the playbook and you know getting accustomed to how things are run there. So we'll we'll see. I don't think he's you probably shouldn't start him this first week. I'd be I'd be a little nervous to do that going into a new offense. But um, I mean, and there aren't too many tight end relevant uh, players on a buy. Just really Dawson Knox and Dalton Schultz. So I don't know. You might not have another option necessarily. But what do you think? What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, you're not starting him this week. I mean, I don't. What's the, I don't not completely sure on what his roster percentage is. But he's definitely an interesting add. Um, going into this, you know, high octane offense, but again, that could detract from him because there's so many mouths to feed. But yeah, it could, could revitalize. It could revitalize his career, um, too. <laughs> it really could. It really could be either way. It's, it's yeah, too soon to say. And just you know, regardless of the Earth discussion, like I'd love to see the Cardinals in the Super Bowl. I feel like that'd be awesome just to see Kyler Murray lead this team all the way there. Yeah, definitely exciting to say the least. Um, all right, let's move on to the primetime matchup of the Colts at the 49ers. So Carson Wentz, not a very accurate passing game, but he managed to not turn the ball over. He had 11 completions on 20, per, 20 attempts for 223 yards and two touchdowns. Um, how are you feeling about Carson Wentz going into this game against the 49ers? I mean, no turnovers is relieving but i mean you don't feel good about 20 passing attempts and him barely getting more than 50 percent of them completed um and i feel like as you'll probably say later you know that was probably a big contribution to Pittman having a you know 
not very productive day. But, I mean, at the start of that game, he was just, like, slinging it to Hilton. I don't know what caused him to <laughs> slow down, but um, he was looking uh, good at one point. Like, very good. T.Y. left that game yes. uh, early. Um, I think with a quad injury. But, uh, yeah, he's got he's got some kind of beef with the Texans that... Uh, <laughs> That just you know it continues to show itself even even in his advanced age, uh, yeah. So the I think the real reason that there were so few pass attempts was because they just dominated this game on the ground. I mean, Jonathan oh, yeah. Taylor had his third straight twenty plus point performance, and he's got one hundred and fifty yards from scrimmage in back to back weeks. He had one hundred and forty five on the ground, two touchdowns. And a catch for thirteen yards. Is it time to sell high on Jonathan Taylor? Oof, oof. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people that have him that drafted him as like a you know low end RB one are probably rejoicing that he's like playing like he did at the end of last season. But you know, selling high would not be a bad idea. I don't know what's going to happen with Hilton getting more and more healthy, and you know, Wentz should be throwing more on days that Taylor isn't just like proving himself with every carry but i mean that's interesting i i don't think his ceiling is too much higher than it is right now but his floor certainly is lower so i feel like that's got to be if you're a team that's struggling i feel like it's a no-brainer you got to sell high but if you're a team that's doing decent i mean uh, maybe ride out and see where this goes because this could be legit i mean he ended the season last year like this too so he could you know go on a great streak yeah, definitely something to consider. And, yeah, we'll quickly uh, address Michael Pittman Jr. He did have only two catches on three targets for 35 yards. But better days are ahead. It was a game where uh, the ground game was the the main focal point. And it's his only, it's only his first single-digit scoring performance since week one. Yep. And I've started him in both of those weeks. I've started him in more, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, quickly on the the 49ers, uh, I was going through making these notes, and I typed out what I had to say about Debo Samuel. Uh, he's yet to score fewer than double-digit points. He's got at least tar- eight targets in every game, 10-plus in three of the five games, and at least a carry in four of five games. Yeah. But... After that, I was going to type out something for Kittle, and then I remembered he's on IR. There are no other 49ers you want to be playing. Definitely. Yeah, it, it's it's ridiculous, honestly. <laughs> it's honestly yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a, it's, a, it's a running back fallout on that team. The quarterback play is unreliable. It's really just Debo Samuel, and then we'll see with George Kittle returning from IR, hopefully in the future, how he does. But, yeah, Debo Samuel is the only guy that you can really start in that offense. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, you're not starting him this week, but I, I just feel like it's got to be a fluke that Ayuk is doing so poorly. But, I mean, you're not starting him this week. But I expect him to maybe bounce back a little bit, but it's been so strange, honestly. Yeah, agreed. He's, his usage has been just, just like, almost non-existent up until this point. Yes. All right, let's move on to the final matchup. And again, when I was going through the notes prior to this morning, I was I was typing out all this stuff about, hey, maybe Michael Thomas is coming back. But I just read this morning that he's still multiple weeks away from returning. I saw that and, too. And that, that, like, when I read that, I was like, why am I just now hearing about this 
after the buy. Like yeah, that's very strange. It was, yeah, it was really it was really it was really disconcerting to me to to read that and to see because I I drafted him and so I've been holding him this whole time. Fortunately, I'm five and one, so <laughs> I can't complain too much. But it you know for people like I think that in a lot of leagues, don't be surprised if you see Michael Thomas on the waiver wire because of this how many players are on a buy this week oh certainly for teams that are struggling i mean it needs to be a team that's doing as well as yours has this season to even like you know want to i mean luckily he's been in your ir spot correct yes so i mean that i mean that makes more sense but in leagues that don't have an ir spot and you're struggling yeah i don't blame you for moving on because you need to get some wins yeah it's just it's it's just really disappointing because I I was I was like pretty certain going into this week that this is going to be the first week that we were going to see him. That uh, let's let's get away from that though because I've been talking about it too much already. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jameis Winston, two hundred seventy nine passing yards for four TDs and an interception against the Washington Football Team uh, back in Week Five. I think that you know the Seahawks they give up a lot of points through the air. So I'm not worried really about. I mean, the only thing I'm concerned about is Jameis Winston has a tendency to turn the ball over, <laughs> but it's got to be another good game for Alvin Kamara. He had a two touchdown performance, one through the air, one on the ground uh, last time they played. Uh, uh, managers will be very happy to have him in a week where they're probably, you know, they could be missing another running back on their roster potentially with how many are missing. For sure. Um, but and then Marquez Callaway like. I get it. I get it. He caught two touchdowns, and we were just talking about DeAndre Hopkins, but this guy is not DeAndre Hopkins. No. Uh, four catches for 85 yards and two touchdowns on a season high, eight eight targets. He's wide. He was wide receiver 43 going into the bye. Jeez. Uh, that's ridiculous. That's not, yeah, that is not very good for someone who, going into the preseason, was like, oh, man, Michael Thomas isn't going to be around, so this guy, you know take a take a flyer on this guy he may be an absolute stud he's he's been a dud so it's tough i think i think really if you're starting a, a saints player it's probably camara and that's probably it yeah i agree and then when michael thomas returns eventually uh, it's even less likely to work out for callaway so i'm okay with dropping him especially on this week with so many uh, players to fill in yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it's just been really disappointing. He's been he was a very popular like sleeper pick uh late in drafts because I mean, he you would have thought he would have been amazing value for the situation he was entering in and he's disappointed even at that value. Yeah, I will say if you know, there's probably better options out on the waiver wire. It's I I know it's a good matchup against the Seahawks, but he just hasn't gotten it done and and they've they've played other teams that are you know equally inefficient at stopping the pass so i'm not i'm not you know i'm okay with you dropping him yeah all right then let's move on lastly to the seahawks ah this one hurts i'm, I'm just gonna start with it right off the bat tyler lockett man what's going on with him mm -hmm. he's got he's got the same number of targets as dk but he only had two catches for 35 yards it's the thing it's He's scored single digits in three of the last four games. Is it time to panic on Tyler Lockett? I mean, I would say so. It, it's so difficult of Tyler Lockett because he'll always just prove you wrong. Prove you wrong. Like he'll, he could ha he could have forty plus this game, 
Um, I hope he does. Yeah, that'd be amazing for you. But then he has games like this. So, you know, I don't feel comfortable starting him. Like we said with buys, with all the relevant players that are out, uh, you, you might be forced into it. But, and I feel like he's still... He's a tough... He's definitely a tough player to bench just because he can really hurt you for what he c could do. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. I just... I, I traded for him earlier in the season, and, you know, fortunately, that I think that trade has still worked in my favor because it involved CEH, who hasn't played in a while. Yeah. But, yeah, I just, I don't feel, I don't, I don't understand what's going on. I don't, I don't like what I'm seeing, but he's got to turn it around at some point because the talent is there. Yes. Uh, let's move on to his teammate, DK Metcalf who, you know, continues to put up points despite the change in quarterback. He had six catches for 58 yards. Uh, this is only his second game without a touchdown on the season, and that's, I mean, for that's a lot of points, you know, that yeah. he's putting up there. Uh, I will say Geno Smith spread the ball around 10 players registered to catch in this game, uh, but he only threw for one passing touchdown. He... He's definitely not Russell Wilson, and he did not take advantage of the Steelers' weak secondary like he should have. Uh, the The Saints are a tougher matchup in terms of their secondary, their defense, their pass rush, just all around, uh, I think, an all-around more well-rounded team than the Steelers. So I certainly don't expect anything special from Geno Smith this week. Yeah, I agree. I feel like... He's not going to get any better because he had a good matchup. He might get more comfortable, so he would do better in you know tougher matchups. But I don't see his ceiling being too much higher than this, honestly. Yeah, and then maybe maybe something that will allow him to get some more passing touchdowns is just how how crowded and how banged up this uh, this Seattle backfield is. Alex Collins had a great game, twenty yards or 20, 20 carries for 101 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but Rashad Penny is designated to return from IR. It's gone from a crowded backfield with uh, Travis Homer and DJ Dallas. Yes. And now they're adding Rashad Penny potentially. And Collins is not necessarily 100% going into this matchup uh, with a hip injury. But... I'll just say this. I think that if the Seahawks want to win this game, I think they're going to have to rely on their pass catchers. I don't think they're going to do it by pounding uh, pounding the rock the whole game. Agreed. Completely agree. All right. Well, that wraps up the Week 7 game preview episode of the Fantasy Football Brothers podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, Carson, do you have anything to say before we go? Um, not really. It's it'll, it's it'll be an interesting week for me with all the buys I'm dealing with, and I know a lot of you are in the same situation, maybe not as dire, but uh, I guess I'm looking forward to talking again on the video we'll upload on Saturday, and yeah, that's really all I got. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. Bye-bye.